Welcome to the Lives of Courage podcast with me, Jessica Stong. Each week, we'll look at ways to choose courage every day, as I know even the smallest acts of courage matter. Through inspiration and action, we can grow into who we are truly meant to be. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hope you're all well. Happy Friday. I'm so excited. I love a good Friday. I am coming at you live early. Um, This week we are having some home projects worked on, some drywall. We had, uh, it was like our wall was leaking from the inside out and no one could figure out why. We thought maybe it was a leak, but it was on the second floor. Um, So it's been (laughs) just a battle and just some confusing thoughts. So I'm coming because I don't want um, construction noises as I'm talking to you, right? Who needs that? Okay, so we have um, some great questions. We're just going to get started going through them. I'm so excited again. I'm Jessica Stong. I am a cognitive behavioral coach. I help you learn about your brain, manage your emotions, feel it to heal it, name it to tame it. Those are my new catchphrases that I um, my sweet um, women in the Courageous Life Society know I love a good, like, a phrase that helps you. It's almost as though I need those phrases, those thoughts to help orient me to what I want to do and who I want to become and who I am now. And so I just really use those um, to work with that. So let's get started. Someone texted or texted me. And said, I'm ready to get to my goal. I'm so, so annoyed. It's taking so long. What do I do? So I love to talk about this because here's the deal. Any goal worth having in our lives is going to take forever, right? If we're setting goals that are meaningful, that are like out out of our reach now, that are really motivating to us, it's going to take time. And your primitive brain, so what we know about our primitive brain, seeks pleasure, avoids pain, and wants you to just keep doing what you've always done, right? Because changing, going towards a goal requires you to almost experience, not almost, you experience discomfort. And so when you're going towards a goal, your brain's going to be like, oh, this is so hard, right? Our brains love to do that. Turn down the brightness on myself right now. So your brain is saying this is taking too long. I want you to look at the goals you've set for yourself. And if you have not set goals for yourself, I want you to tell me why. Maybe in the comments, maybe you email me, hello at jessicastong.com. And I often hear people say, I've set goals before and I didn't achieve them. And therefore, I'm not good at setting goals. No, you are really great at setting goals. We just have to refine what that means. On Monday, um, the podcast for this next week, it'll be a video and then a podcast on Tuesday, um, is about why we don't finish what we've started. And that's really looking at why we stop going towards goals. And, And here's what our brain wants to do. And I talk about this as well, is that our brain, doesn't like hard work. 
And some of us have created patterns of thought that either support hard work or alternatively try to get us away from it. And we have cognitive distortions that thoughts that say this is too hard for me. You guys know I often love to use my illness as a reason for not pushing myself towards goals. Oh, look at that. Like, I feel I'm being super compassionate and saying, oh, as as I do when I talk to myself, oh, sweet pumpkin, it's okay that you're not pushing yourself to your goals. Don't worry, right? You're doing the best you can, but what if the best I can, what if the, the kindest thing I could do for myself was to push myself towards those goals? So I offer this to you as just a way to say like, your brain's gonna be annoyed, it's taking so long. And what you're going to have to do is choose the long term. As I was telling a client, I have a sign up that I made to remind myself of this. I have LT over ST. What? I forgot to explain it first, right? It was long term over short term goals. And and it's like long term goals over short term emotional or immediate gratification. So I want you to look at when your brain is offering you, this is taking too long. Is it because you are looking for immediate gratification and you're not willing to wait? And I often want to ask, like uh, you guys know I'm in a hurry to do everything. My life has been dominated with running and hustling and working hard and, and, and trying to get things quickly. And the moment that I said everything happens in perfect timing, and that perfect timing could be God's perfect timing, that could be like universally perfect timing. I, what if you could say like, this is taking as much time as it needs. Nothing is going wrong when it's taking as long as it needs to take. So often we create these false sense of deadlines. We create things in our brain that have we've decided like, if I set a goal, it has to occur in the next month. No, it doesn't. And what if you need to establish and, excuse me, I'm so worked up, and show your commitment and you keep going regardless and so when I say, when I hear people um, use SMART goals, specific, measurable, action, actionable, I don't know what that, attainable, is that what A stands for? But timely, like, who are we to say in what time? What if our goals need to be understood as we will work for as long as it takes? I love setting outrageous goals. You guys know I have a goal to be on the New York Times bestseller list. That's my goal. Because I want to share this message with as many people as I can. And that goal, I don't say I, I failed it this year. So I'm going to give up on it. No, I know it is a long-term commitment. So I want you to look at what your brain is doing. And, and the timelines that your brain is offering, they might not be appropriate or realistic or 
responsible because what if you're going to do it as long as it takes? Love that. Okay, let's talk about also if we're if our brain is saying um, I'm annoyed it's taking too long. What if we could decide to feel an emotion? So the emotion you have now is annoyance and annoyance. I couldn't think of another emotion. And the emotion you want to have is like fun. You can have fun on your way to getting a goal. Or as I I, I say this with um, my son, who hates doing specific chores. And he wants it to be awful. Or who wants to do laundry, sweet friends? And who who thinks it's fun? I know some people do. My mother She's really great at laundry and she loves it. She loves to clean. She cleans for fun. That is not me. I did not get that gene. And some of you are out there and I, I admire you. But what if you could make an activity fun by choosing how you feel? Mm. Sorry, I'm just hydrating because I'm screaming with excitement. Um, so I think we get to feel our feelings and then you get to like, is this feeling serving me? Is this emotion serving me and serving the work I'm doing to get to my goal? And then, or is it not helping me? And should I find a new emotion? And in our family, fun is often used as a tool and as a way to move people forward to get things done. I use it for myself. I use it for my kids. Now, I will tell you, um, we have a 12-year-old in the house between. And he is no longer a fan of fun, apparently. He just, he has figured out my um, tactics. And so, even though I tell him my tactics. So, it's fascinating to see his brain wants to offer him everything is not fun right now. And do I make that mean something about me? No. It is really what his brain is going through. And I want to talk. We had a question about a grumpy husband. As I look outside, I'm like, speaking of grumpy husbands, right? Like, what do I do when my husband's grumpy and or anybody's grumpy? I make it mean something about me. And I'm like, oh, sister, I see ya. Because we are conditioned to, to, to survey what other people are feeling. And also some of us are deeply sensitive souls. I mean, we get into this work because we are sensitive. I always like to ask my clients and you, sweet friends, like, how is this serving you? How is worrying about your child's grumpiness or your husband's grumpiness or your coworker's grumpiness? What does that say about that's good about you? What core values does that represent? Thank you, Dr. David Burns of Feeling Great for that core values conversation. So you care deeply about others. Of course you care that you want your child to be happy. And of course you want others to be happy around you. And so when you were presented with a grumpy husband or a grumpy child, you're like, it's what they're going through. And I am confident enough, or if you're not confident enough, you're going to do the thought work to be like, this is about their experience and their journey. And the only thing that I can control are my own thoughts and my own emotions. And they are experiencing something. 
I call it a firestorm, brainstorm, mindstorm, but they are going through their own process and I cannot change that. Oftentimes, and I see this for myself, I want them to avoid pain so I can avoid pain myself. And so really looking at that, I also know that I don't want my husband to be grumpy, for example, or my child to be grumpy um, because I say it's going to, it's going to ruin the whole feeling in, in our house. But what if I can hold my space and know that I am enough? I don't need someone else to manage my emotions and I am doing the work on myself to not take on what they're feeling. You know, in, in the world of therapy, we often, as, as, as practitioners, clinicians, we'll put a bubble around, I mean, like we're taught to put a bubble around us, a, like a, just a helpful, hugging, kind bubble. And I, we will awful, often do that with our clients as well, not to take on their emotional experience. There's lots of things that you can do. Um, and I pray for them. I, I hold space for my own experience. And I know that I don't need to take on their emotions. But this requires us to be deeply committed and have deep ownership over feeling our own feelings. Because if you are not feeling your own feelings, you're going to just take on other people's feelings. Um, and so it requires such deep work. And that's why the best investment you can give yourselves is to learn how to feel better. How, learn how to feel. Then you're not picking up everybody's, what everybody's putting off. And you're like, this is how I feel. Because what do we know? Our thoughts drive our emotions. The way we feel is because of the way we think. And I have, we know that from cognitive behavioral therapy, Dr. David Burns' latest book, Feeling Great, it's, it's bolded, it's everywhere. And he's a psychiatrist. So it's not like we're just, you know, in the therapy coaching world, we're saying this, it's all over. And so when you think about you, no one else is responsible for your feelings. And I talked about this on an Instagram story yesterday. Oftentimes, I want to blame my children for the way I feel. I'm like, oh, right? Someone had um, put a, um, a dartboard, even though there is a clear demarcate. Can you see? I don't know if you can see that. There's like a curtain rod that separates my office from the playroom, right? And I'm, I make it clear, I'm like, sweet friends, you do not come into my office. You do not play darts in my office. And so when said child plays darts in my office, they're magnetic, I want you to know that they're not throwing, Theo H4 is just not throwing. But when they do this, I have ownership. They do not make me feel upset. It is my thoughts about what they should or shouldn't be doing that makes me feel upset. Now, I have manuals for how I want my children to behave. I have manuals for how my house should run. And I own those. 
And it is my responsibility to communicate that with others if I feel it's appropriate and they know. And so I got to own that experience. Or we can do it with a grumpy husband, right? I have, I have man, a manual for how he should behave. He should not be grumpy. He should always be happy. I don't want grumpiness in my house. I mean, I can be grumpy, but no one has time for a grumpy husband or a grumpy child. So I offer this to you as a way to say, like, what am I first making this mean about me? What feelings am I avoiding because someone's feeling a feeling that I've tried to avoid and it's making me pretty darn uncomfortable? And three, like, I'm going to take ownership for how I feel and not give someone else the opportunity to tell me how I should feel by their own shim sham behavior. I want to tell you a story about procrastination right now. One of our questions was like, why do I procrastinate help? And I have, you guys know that I, I do not coach my darling husband, even though everything inside of me wants to coach him 20, right? 24 seven. I've got resources. I am trained in this. Why wouldn't you want me to coach you? So procrastination is just something that is, is um, inherent in his story. Totally fine. It's his story. I don't need to own it. It is his. And I see that procrastination breeds grumpiness, right? And if one would change their behavior, one wouldn't have to get so grumpy. But here's the deal. I cannot control someone else's thoughts. I cannot control someone else's emotions. I cannot control someone else's actions. And that is supremely important when looking at our relationships with others. And when we understand that at the deepest level, rather than just this cognitive exercise, like, yeah, I get it, I get it. But like when you go to do it in, in relationship, in, in, in application, you're like, oh, I see, didn't really understand that. Or we need to learn it over and over again, like I do. Once is not enough, sweet friends. I need to learn something about a thousand times. So I offer this to you as, as really a tool to understand your brain. And so here's what I will say about procrastination as someone who is a habitual, like you, you know my story, ADHD. I decided when I wrote the story of my life that um, ADHD would highly feature in that and that Jessica was always behind and always forgot what she was doing and always procrastinated. That was the story of my life. And I decided that that did not serve me. My procrastination was a tool. And, and the, that so procrastination is just an action. And we know that we have to look at our emotions and our thoughts that cause that action. That's the difference. That's the cognitive behavioral piece. That's the difference between just trying to change, like trying to stop procrastinating and change the action without addressing the thoughts and emotions that drive that action. And that's the difference, sweet friends, between long-term behavior change, I would argue. Okay, so here's the deal. Let's say your action is procrastination. What thoughts do you really have that cause you to procrastinate? 
most of us have thoughts like, I do better work at the last minute. I am just a habitual procrastinator and I'm too old to change. Or, I mean, some of our thoughts are like, I never have time. So of course I have to wait till the last minute. I want you to see what has created that procrastinate. My, and my thoughts as I became such a practice procrastinator were like, I'm just a procrastinator. That's just what I am. And so when you have the thought, I'm just a procrastinator and that's just what I am, how does that make you feel? Defeated. Me. Embarrassed. Shameful. And the action I take from that is not to do the thing immediately. Is to procrastinate, right? Or the thought, it, I do better work when I wait till the last minute. The emotion you get from that is probably comfort. Like, yeah, I figured myself out. I got this. And the action you take, what is procrastination? So to change the action, let's say you don't want to procrastinate anymore. You want to take action immediately. You're like, that's it. I'm ready. I'm going in. I got this. What would you need to do to think? Like, perhaps I can learn to change my brain. That was the first step. I didn't say, I am changing my brain. My, my thought was really, perhaps I'm learning to change my brain. And I was able to use that to do the work, to start to change my brain and change my relationship with time. So I offer this to you as a way in to say like, uh, the thought could be, I'm changing my relationship with time. I'm changing the way I, I take action. And when you have that thought, the emotion that results from that thought is like, I can do this. Confidence or like commitment or readiness. You guys know I just act out my emotions. So it makes it really hard to describe for other people what emotions I have. I often um, have the list of the 27 universal emotions that um, psychologists in 2017 decided that were the, so that I don't act out my emotions, that I can casually mention these emotions to clients instead of shimmying, which is, super appropriate at all times, right? So I offer this to you as, as like a, okay, I want to change my action. I have to change the way I think and the way I feel. And that is entirely possible to me. I did not, like, we do not believe in the brain being like formed at, by the age of two and you're stuck with what you've got. That, that no, newsflash, if we're using that model, it's outdated. And we have a new model to use now. And I offer that to you because we're making this work, sweet friends. And you are changing your thoughts. You're changing your emotions. But that first, the first work is identifying what you're thinking and feeling now. You cannot just like put on top new thoughts and new emotions and disregard what's underneath. You can't just like slap new paint on something and think that you will forever cover up the old wallpaper that's underneath 
the process. So I, I offer that to you as a way to say like, no, I need to first do the work to figure out what is causing procrastination and then I'm going to change it. So you guys always know I'm here for you because this is one of the, you know, back in the olden days, I did a lot of productivity coaching, which is why it's so hard not to um, coach people around me. Um, and so I, I deeply know this from a personal standpoint as well. So that is um, very important. Now, for some reason, it doesn't tell me the other questions that I have and they're on my phone and I don't want to awkwardly, like normally it would list it on the side or tell me what I'm even talking about. Um, so I'm just going to wing it, I think, uh, that I was going to talk about how to help yourself. How do I help myself? I think that was the last question. We're just going to go with it. Um, and here's what I want to say the best thing that we can do to help ourselves is to really learn to be compassionate, learn to have that, that um, self-talk. We all talk to ourselves. If you say you don't talk to yourself, some people don't, rightfully so. I mean, I think they said like, 4% of the population doesn't have a negative or doesn't have like an internal dialogue. So we're all pretty much talking to ourselves at all. And you're, you're probably saying negative things like you messed that up. Why did you do that? Uh, this again? And it might not be about you. It could be a run, running commentary. We look at, do you blame yourself? Self-blame or do you other blame? Do you blame others? We look at like what's going in, in on, like we have how many 60,000 thoughts a day? We remember hardly any of them. But when you become and bring mindfulness into this experience of your life, you're able to say like, my self-talk is so hurtful. The things I say to myself are deeply painful. I would not say that to a friend. I would not say that to a colleague. I would not say that to my child. In, in, um, in my coaching practice, I will often turn it around and make them say what they say to themselves. My clients say what they say to themselves to me. And they can't do it. And I often think about the, the, the chatter in our brains can be so destructive. And those are those limiting beliefs. Those are those automatic negative thoughts that we have taken on. We have been given from childhood. We have been, you know, seen in our society and what messages we are receiving about who we are, what we can accomplish, what women should do, what we shouldn't do, how we should behave. And so those thoughts are constantly, it's like a running dialogue in our brain. So I offer to you a new way forward, a new path. The way to help yourself right now is to just start noticing that talk, noticing that dialogue, saying, oh, there you are. You guys know I love to almost separate myself from that because we don't, we can't just turn it off. 
that primitive brain has to keep giving us messages, has to keep alerting us to danger, danger that might not even be there, but danger that it perceives. You guys know I love to name those that primitive voice, that primitive part of my brain that supplies me messages that aren't helpful, that don't help me, that don't serve me, that don't serve my clients. You guys know I call it negative Nancy. Also because the girl in high school that was super mean to me was named Nancy. And it seems only fitting, right? So I want you to look at like that, that those messages have come from her too. All the things we've picked up. So those, you're not good enough. You're always going to mess it up. Here's another, you're not going to reach your goal. It's taking too long. Something's wrong. This is not working out. So I want you to see. And the way to help yourself right now is just to recognize it and give yourself and, and, and to give it a name and separate you from that voice. You are not that voice, sweet friends. And whether we call it ego, like we're not going to go into psychobabble on this. You are not that voice. You are not that primitive part of your brain. You are worthy and good and lovely and loving and incredible right now. And you are not that negative voice. You do not inherently think those negative things. Those have been given to you. That is a function of your brain that tells you, please stay safe. Please stay small. Please stay stuck. And so I offer this to you as a tool to say, like, uh, that stops now. I do not listen to that part of my brain because I choose a new way. And that part of my brain's always going to be chit-chatting. But that is not who I am. I choose my prefrontal cortex, my higher order thinking, my metacognition, thinking about my thinking to change my relationship with me. How do I help myself? I change how I feel about myself. Boom, done, mic drop, right? I love it. Okay, I, I do have one other um, thing to say about this before I go. You know, I'm 10 minutes over, totes fine, right? Um, I often think about what we are saying to ourselves. And is it helpful? Someone, someone was saying this week, I am an overthinker. I overthink everything and it's just not helpful. And I'm like, wait a minute. First off, it is helpful. It has helped you grow. We need to be able to think about our thinking. So I want you to see that your negative qualities, your negative experiences have helped you and shaped you and helped you grow. And so if we can reframe all the pain, all the upset in our brains, we can change our relationship with us. So as I said to her, overthinking in, in a therapist speak or coach speak is a prefrontal cortex executive skill of metacognition, thinking about your thinking. Nothing has gone wrong. But if we are telling us ourselves a story that we are wrong, that we overthink, that that we are not doing life right, that we need to stop doing this. Our brain is, is, is just going to practice those messages over and over again. And so the way to stop, the way to help yourself 
is to give yourself compassion and to say, I'm really great at metacognition. And I'm just going to hone that skill. I'm not going to let it get out of control. I'm just going to hone it. So I offer this to you today. When your brain starts telling you that you are doing it wrong, that you are not worthy, that you don't have what it takes, I want you to stop that right now and say, thank you, negative Nancy, but I choose something else. This is not my story. This is not what is serving me right now. And I choose something new. Oh, sweet friends, I love you all. And we made it before the construction started. So look at us go. Um, if you have questions for next week, you know to email me hello at jessicastong.com. I am so, so grateful for the people who sent in questions. It makes me feel like I love this so much. Also, you know, if you're ready to feel better now and you want like point A to point B, I will tell you how to do that in 30 minutes. It's on my website at the very tippy top, jessicastong.com. Um, you can, it's free. What could be better? We can hang out. I love doing these. Okay. Anyway, I love you all. Have a great and courageous week. Again, questions, email me anything you need. I'm here. Okay. Bye friends. Have a good one. See ya. And as always, I want to remind you, if you want more information about how to work with me, if you really um, have heard anything on this episode that you're like, wait a minute, you can go to jessicastong.com. You can learn more information about the Courageous Life Society, a group coaching membership that really helps you take all this information and apply it. And also you can get more information about one-on-one -on -one coaching. Thank you so much and have a great and courageous week, everyone.